0: Nope, <laughs> I didn't see you there, because this is an audio recording and neither of us can see each other. My name's Thomas, 50% of So What Happens Next podcast, and I'm sure plenty of you have been asking yourselves, where have you guys been? Well, I'd love to tell you the story, but there really isn't one, <laughs> As it turns out, we've just been obnoxiously lazy, burnt out, and busy with adult things, as I'm sure many of you can relate to. But, don't worry, dear listener, we're back, and we're better than ever. Or at least, on par with where we were before. Which I think is good enough, don't you? Huh. However, the reason you're hearing my dulcet tones prior to this week's episode is not just some vain little means of reintroduction, no, it's actually because this episode was recorded back in January, and, odds are if you're listening to this now, it's more or less April, so there may be some things that are just a wee bit confusing, but that's all well and good, isn't it? There's no reason to fret old episodes don't make it bad and this one is one for the ages. So go ahead and curl up with your favorite pair of headphones, crank that volume to 11, sit down in a comfy chair and enjoy the savory sayings of myself, my better half Amber, and this week's guest hosts as we take you into the world of film cinema and movies we are so what happens next enjoy the show
1: Hello everyone and welcome to So What Happens Next? Small Screens. I am one of your hosts, Thomas. I'm Amber. I'm Gio. I'm Allie. And this week we are back for 2023 and we are kicking it off with kind of a long time coming. If you were here last January, you probably heard us go through the other two. But this week we are doing the original The Thing from Another World from 1951, I believe. To, to get back into the podcasting game after like a month and a half off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we're not alone for coming back to it. Joining us once again, two awesome friends of the show. We have Gio. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty well.
2: Wrapping up a three-day weekend and enjoying some nice, cool, refreshing weather down here.
1: Oh, yeah. You. It sounds like you're one of the only people down there who's really enjoying it from what I can hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, someone has to.
1: <laughs> well, we're right there with you because I think the weather here is almost identical. But also joining us once again to take on the thing, Allie is with us in well, virtually in the studio. How are you doing today, Allie? Hello,
3: hello. I'm good. Um I'm I'm not cold. It's not it was like 68 today. So um, yeah, I know. Sorry guys. <laughs>
1: No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like 40-something. It's like 40-something here in Chicago Aww. and raining. But it's weird because usually it's more like 20-something right Yeah, now. like it so should be
4: like freeze. It should be like the thing. There should be snow. <laughs> yeah, it should be like the thing, which
1: is normally what we do with this month. Is it's just too damn cold, but it's not that cold, and it's weird. Um, <laughs> Thanks, global warming. <laughs> yeah, so weird climate change stuff going on, but... We're going back to a time before climate change was a really big thing. 1951, I believe, or 52, around there, is when the first adaptation of the short story, I believe it's called Who Goes There, um, that John Carpenter's The Thing, previous episode, from 1982, was based on, and... The other one (laughs) from 2011, also titled The Thing, um, was loosely based on the... the, Probably more based on that story than Carpenters. But this is the original iteration. This is the one that started it all. And it is different in a lot of ways. That's for sure. Um, But then it also has some kind of similar parts. We were talking about this a few minutes ago, that it was kind of interesting how they... uh, sort of get around the, the taking over the world bit. But we'll get into that as we go because that happens to be way later in the movie. Amber, can you kick us off? What, how does this movie start? What are, what are we kind of kicking off with here?
4: So this movie kind of follows like an Air Force crew um, and then also different from like the other adaption um, or newer adaptions, I guess. There's a journalist that's involved that's looking to you know kind of find a story mm-hmm. um, to write. Um, And similar, again, to like the other movies, basically what ends up happening is that, you know, they're in the Arctic and they end up finding a crash flying saucer and a humanoid body nearby.
1: Yep. We kind of do what the 2011 film did. Just it's a little different. Uh, The alien body ends up being a plant man, as we'll find out later, as opposed to something that takes over your cells. Um, But straight out the gate... Uh Ali, let's start with you. What did you think of this movie overall before we kind of really get into the nitty gritty and what you know was it are you thinking it's stronger weaker than the others what what are your opinions on this one? Just broad strokes
3: so I didn't love it, but I didn't really hate it i just i I was just kind of meh the whole time, partially because like. <laughs> I mean, The Thing is a really hard act to, in this case, be a prequel to, but, like... Yeah, proceed. You know, like, I, I saw The Thing <laughs> 19, right. 1980s first, and, like, that's yeah. hard to follow. Um, and I was surprised at how different the plot was. Um, mm. I guess I was sort of disappointed in the simplicity of the plot, but... It makes sense. It was yeah. kind of fun to see the parallels and see maybe where John Carpenter got inspiration, what he expanded upon and what he got rid of. Um, I haven't read the short story, so maybe I'll do that next just to see kind of how this differs from the short story.
1: Maybe we have to do a book podcast episode <laughs> now about talking <laughs> stories of some of these movies, or at least like on. do
4: movies that were adapted like from, from books, books, and then, and then yeah, talk watch about that. the books. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I I I I see your points. I definitely think that it's it is very much a B movie from the nineteen fifties, mm-hmm. almost quintessentially so. I mean, it is. That kind of cheesy, very straightforward, we gotta kill the alien. But it does litter some, frankly, better points, I think. Uh, This iteration's Dr. Douchebag, I'll straight up say, is a much more, like, sympathetic character in a lot of regards. Like, I'm like, he's not wrong. He's a dick about it. And he's definitely, like, self-aggrandizing. But... He's not doing stupid shit like in the 2011 version. Yeah. Jeffrey, same question, broad strokes. You know, what do you think of this movie? Little bit of compare and contrast with the other ones if you want. But yeah, what, what are you thinking of The Thing from Another World?
2: So I actually thought it was fairly solid. Obviously, its weakest point is that it's missing the, the staple, the real bread and butter from the 82 version. Yeah. Um, and that's just the mystery and the, the paranoia amongst the crew. Um, leading to this whole atmosphere of uh, everyone being in distrust, and tensions rising and you, you really don't know where to focus or exert your energy. So it's missing that element, but I have to give the filmmakers a lot of respect for understanding the limitations they had at the time and trying to adapt something like that. And as far as uh, rewriting the narrative to be something a bit different, I will say I couldn't imagine them having done a much better job than than they did, um, yeah. and they did build some intrigue uh, upon the whole theme of the, the plant-based creature, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. particularly when they get into the discussion among the, the biologists and talk about parallels that they had uncovered in research at the time and everything. Um, yeah, so I thought it was pretty solid. Um, Dr. Douchebag, I would definitely <laughs> echo most of those sentiments. Although I would say ultimately I'm still not very sympathetic to him at all. But yeah, at least he's at least he's not doing outright stupid shit.
1: For sure. I mean, I think even I mean, I guess sympathetic is probably a strong word. I don't think that I agree with everything he does because he does some shady shit. But like his sentiment is It's like they they very well play the other extreme, right? Like you have kind of the military guys who are like, we need to destroy this thing. And then you have him who's like, we need to study this thing. We need to research this thing. But it's so far into that field that it's like, well, yeah, we should do that. But like, what is the cost here? Like people will die. Which I'm kind of shocked. And Amber, I think you mentioned this while you were watching, is like, wow, not that many people die in this movie. Like, Most everyone survives, which was kind of surprising. Um, But yeah, as a nice little segue, Amber, last but not least, what did you think of this movie in broad strokes?
4: Yeah, I think um, pretty much everybody here brought up some really good points. And I definitely don't think it was as good as the 1980 version, 80s version. Just because that one had a lot more suspense to it. And I feel like if people back then watched that movie, they would have freaked <laughs> the fuck out. Like, yeah. they would have just been like, this is, like, too scary almost. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I feel like a lot of those B-rated you know, rated movies, like, especially... This is black and white, by the way, guys. Oh, yeah, this is um, a black and yeah. white through-and-through through so movie. So, yeah, yeah. I feel like back then, like, especially, like, things we've watched in the past, like, for Nosferatu... Mm -hmm. Um, those films like that were like top tier like horror films like people were just like this is really creepy and like scary and Mm -hmm. yeah Um, but otherwise like I think it was yeah it just didn't go into as much detail as I wanted but again like we're You know, watching movies now in the future that are just way more detailed. Right. Um, Especially like the horror, uh, new horror films.
5: Yeah.
4: Um, But otherwise, I thought it was, yeah, it was like pretty decent. It's like something kind of like you would watch on MST3K. Oh, yeah. And kind of just have it playing in the background. So, yeah. And there were a couple of things I was like, again, the amount of people that died, which I think is Mm -hmm. like two or three. Um, maybe a couple of people that got injured, including Dr. Douchebag. <laughs> oh, I know. The fact yeah. that he
1: doesn't die was so strange I know. to me. I
4: really thought he was just... He was done. Because
1: he was gone. At the end of the movie, yeah. he gets hit, he's down, he's gone. He doesn't come back. But yeah. they're just like, he's not dead. And I'm like...
5: Why? Why won't you people just die? Okay. Yeah, he's
4: being treated <laughs> for his injuries or whatever yeah. they say. Um, but yeah, that was like really surprising and kind of like the amount of like damage, I guess, mm-hmm. or like harm that the creature I guess was inflicting on them wasn't it wasn't that crazy so to me it wasn't yeah
0: yeah
1: I, f- I, I feel that I think maybe we just want that more action piece you know like or, or not action but we want more action in the sense of something happening like a lot blood. of this movie <laughs> well I mean like this movie is barely 90 minutes long if yeah, even that I think it was like an hour and 20 something minutes um And I gotta say, like, I'll kick it off here. Going into it, the beginning of this movie was very weird because, first of all, I don't know about you guys, but I appreciate the hell out of the fact that Carpenter kept that title card.
5: Oh yeah, yeah. Where like in this, it
1: burns. Yeah, where it burns the thing into the whatever a wall or something, and it says "From Another World Beneath." I. Right there, you know, watching that. I've seen this movie a long time ago. I watched, we watched, Amber and I watched it again for this episode, but I first watched this back in high school and I remember thinking, holy cow, like that's not original. That wasn't something Carpenter came up with. That is just going, hey, I'm doing this, but I'm going to, I guess in this case, do it right as far as the short story is concerned. But I loved that that was what it is. I'd love to know how they did it because obviously they didn't have, you know, some special effects computer. It looks like they kind of just burned through yeah. <laughs> like a, a piece of paper or something, but it was really cool. But then Agreed. this movie, this movie goes into like, first of all, it also takes place in the North Pole instead of Antarctica, which was kind of weird because half the people are not dressed for this. Like the reporter, Amber, that you mentioned, he's dressed... Like I wouldn't wear what he's wearing in like, Chicago all in the like cold. Yeah, they're all doing like, yeah. <laughs> it, but the hell out I me mean, because I'm like they're in they're in anchor. The movie starts in Anchorage, Alaska, and I'm like it looks pretty cold. I don't know if I'd wear like a trench coat and a suit. That seems a little weird. And it's like we're going to north the North Pole, and like I noticed as the movie went on, people had more appropriate clothing for the climate. But in the beginning, it was just like. Yeah, I'm wearing my nice leather bomber jacket to look cool and I'm like, <laughs> "Sir, you were negative -20 degrees. I this is not going to do anything for you." But we talk we do a lot of character introduction and I think this is definitely for me. Huge Win on I mean I think The Carpenter movie personally is so much better, but Huge Win on The Carpenter movie is it does all the character introduction it needs to do in the first like 10 minutes of the movie. You know, we introduce everybody, we introduce everything we need to know about them. In this one, man, we sit there and listen to this one Air Force guy find a way to shoehorn the dames into every (laughs) single conversation, man, (laughs) like... He's like, we gotta go. There, you know, they want us to go up to the North Pole thing. He's like, oh, well, the thing about poles is the ladies. And I'm like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 what? And it's it's really like some of it starts getting in like this really weird stretch. It was of almost like, comedic, right? Right,
4: because like, it was at first like there was no horror element to it. It was just some cracking jokes about yeah. like, women and yeah.
1: But then we get to the North Pole and you got the uh, what's her name Nikki or whatever. She's a total dom. She's like, hey, what's up, big boy? Let me tie you to a chair and make out with you. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> <I laughs> what's this movie that about? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was fun. Like, no, her. I loved her character. And if this, if you just remade this movie, like this version with the plant and the military folks and all this, today she'd be your main character, hands down. Because like everything about her was main character energy. But the movie it's the 50s we're not allowed to do that, I guess because but it was great. like every time she was on screen, I was like, this person feels like an actor. Everyone else just is showed up <laughs> <laughs> But yeah we go uh, they go up to the North Pole because sort of like the 2011 film, they found something, but they kind of just sort of hint that it's like a downed aircraft right yeah. They think almost like, oh, it's maybe the Russians or something because it's the North Pole. And so we go up there, and it turns out, well, maybe, but it actually might be an alien craft, is what we're kind of hinting at with Dr. Douchebag and and the bunch of scientists. So, you know, you got your, your gang of folks in the plane. They go check it out. I love, what did you guys think of the discovery of the ship that whole sequence, it both made me mad and made me laugh my ass off at the same time when they when they stand in a circle and they're all like, oh my God.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it He's was, pretty corny.
1: I was so corny. I was like, wait a minute. They're like, it's almost a perfect circle. And then like musical sting and I was like, Jesus Christ.
3: <laughs> I loved how they were immediately like well, it has to be a flying saucer, no other explanation. <laughs> That's what it is.
1: That combined with it's standard military procedure to just put a bomb on it first thing. <laughs> <laughs> that I was like, "What the fuck?" Cuz like, how are we going to melt the ice? It's like, "We blow it up with thermite <laughs> charges." And I was like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, standard operating procedure." I'm like, "The standard operating procedure is to just put a bomb on it? I don't think so. I mean, like, I what feel like fuck? it does
3: sound very American.
1: It sounds it sounds meme-worthy American now. Like, that would be a joke. But back then, I honestly wouldn't be shocked. It's like, eh, just make it really hot. How do we make it hot really fast? We blow it up. And then they set fire to this thing. Huge explosion. And then they're like, wait. It's not done. Something's wrong. Bigger explosion. And they're like, the ship's destroyed. And it's just like... <laughs> Well, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> Even in the in the 2011 movie, they were at least able to, like, drill shit out, right? Like, yeah.
4: Or at least kind of, like, get to, because it was under was a layer of ice, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't, like... Yeah. Why
1: why not ride in a cave? Come on. <laughs> they did it. <laughs> but,
2: yes. I think if they... Um, uh, remake this movie today, they could use a nuclear bomb, and they could make this upcoming Oppenheimer movie a sleeper prequel to it.
5: Uh, (laughs) Holy
1: shit. It's Oppenheimer was building a, a quick way to melt ice because he detected a radiation spike in the Arctic Circle, and then blows up one of the test bombs after, like, Hiroshima and whatnot, only to find that he accidentally destroyed the ship, but unleashed Plant Man Plant Frankenstein. I don't even know what to call this guy. He looks like Frankenstein, but he's supposed to be plants, but he doesn't look that much like plants. He does move
2: quite a lot, like Frankenstein, right? He
1: has that, even his forehead. Yeah, his head is his whole thing. Like, but we're not there yet because they find him. They find him in the ice, right? Like they they find him and they they're able to cut him out without fucking bombs. So I don't understand. But the whole time the reporter's like, I gotta tell people about this. And they're like, you can't do that. And he's like, I'll I'll do it anyway. And I'm like, wow, that's a way to take a window to the back of the head, you know what I mean? Like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's ballsy, my guy. (laughs) But yeah, so they get back uh, with the body. They're all kind of creeped out by it.
4: Yeah. And he also doesn't want the scientists to look at the body either.
1: This... And this is where I agree with the Air Force people, right? Is they're like, it's frozen. And he goes, we'll need to take samples. And I'm like, this sounds familiar, like a movie we fucking saw last year. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's like, no. And I'm like, good, because it was dumb in, two, in the 2011 film that they were just like, yeah, it's fine. We'll Just let him take the samples. They're like, no, you're not taking the samples. And then it kind of... I liked how it kept floating between like, well... Obviously, the head honcho dude, right, of the military that's off screen on the radio is like, we can use this as a weapon against the commies or whatever. And then the scientist guy's like, yeah, sure, he can do whatever he wants with it. I just want to research it. Whereas the other Air Force guy, the main Air Force character guy, is like, I need to keep these people safe. We need to destroy this thing at any cost. Um, I liked how they kind of created that dynamic to where they actually gave Dr. Douchebag some, like, realistic support and I think the 2011 movie like really fails with that. They're just like, he's supposed to be the boss, kind of. I guess so. Everyone just blindly follows him. And I'm like, well, they at least create a reason. But absolutely, yeah. That's um, like I'm, I'm glad they did, um, do that. They do that.
2: That uh, dynamic you just mentioned too about the discussion of using him as a weapon. It, it really kind of foreshadows uh, a running theme in other franchises like Alien. Too.
1: Absolutely. It's almost like you know, in Alien, we're gonna just focus on that whole thing. Like the whole point of that movie is where we were trying to use it as an alien as a weapon, and now it's fucked us over. Whereas in this one, I think that takes a backseat to the like I want the like full on blind, you know, science. There's no good, no evil, whatever, neutral science. Versus this like it's a monster, we got this reactionary, it's a monster, we got killed thing. And you're like supporting either side in kind of what it's supposed to do, right? Because mm-hmm. Dr. Douchebag's still like, Dr. Douchebag's still like, oh, you know, we need to, we need to just, like, keep it Say Arguably, you know, start bringing it food. Let's keep it, like, keep giving them blood and shit. Whereas the Air Force guy's like, no, we need to blow it up. But then his superior's almost like, right in the middle, is like, no, don't blow it up. But maybe don't not keep it trapped, right? Like, let's not feed it. But let's not kill it. And I think that's interesting because it creates that tension, right? But yeah, a lot of this movie is introducing the characters and farting around until one idiot decides he's scared of the monster's frozen face and throws a plugged-in electric blanket on the ice. And this shit... (laughs) I groaned at this shit, man. I'm like, you pick up a blanket... Right? You pick up a blanket and it's warm your first thought is eh, it's fine <laughs> let me throw it on some fucking ice <sighs> he should have died
4: <laughs> I know I really thought he was like gonna be the first to go
1: I wanted more death in this movie yeah. I get it's from the 50s I but yeah right I, maybe we're all just <laughs> fucked up but like I wanted more death in this film
2: <laughs> There are I didn't realize any... how little there was until you mentioned it like I, did, I had to think back and I was like "Ah, oh, you're Right. It just didn't occur to me at the time when I watched it.
1: Yeah. It's one of those things where they don't even really belabor the characters that die in this movie. Like, they, they're like, oh, it's all off screen, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you could tell that they must have been cheaping out on something. I get, I get the impression that the guy in the monster costume was only filming for, like, two days. Because everything he's in is, like, overly complex, like, for 1950s. And then he's killing people off screen. Like they're like, Oh, at some point in the film, they find him, they find out that he was in the uh, greenhouse. Right. And Dr. Douchebag has his buddies guard it and he doesn't tell anybody. And then two of the doctors just get killed off screen and are fuck man. The air force guy even describes like, I saw him in there. Dr. Douchebag. They were upside down like a, like a um, butcher. Right. And I'm just like, Why didn't I get to see that?
5: (laughs) 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 It's not fair!
1: But yeah, we get a a lot of shit. But in... After all this stuff in the beginning happens, the monster gets out. He's roaming around. He throws down with some dogs. He like suplexes a dog and it rips his arm off or some shit.
4: Yeah, those dogs were going hard. Those
1: dogs were not fucking about. (laughs) Um, And right on. He only took out like two of them or something like that. Yeah. But they find his arm and this is where we kind of establish between this and a later scene where we, we plant some seeds. We kind of establish what the hell is this thing? And his hand starts moving on the table and shit autonomously, all this other crap. But basically instead of right, the, the carpenter film in the 2011 film, we're not doing a, it takes over your cells thing. It is a plant man who eats blood kind of like a vampire And has the capability to asexually reproduce with seeds that also need blood and grow at a crazy rapid rate. And it can also, like, regrow his limbs and shit. He's kind of like Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z, just without puking up eggs. Oh, wow, yeah. And the blood. But he's kind of the same dude. (laughs) um, (laughs) Yeah. And so, but guns don't work on him because guns don't work on trees, I guess. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so it's like, how do we stop this guy? And for some, this pissed me off. It took him so long to think like, how do we stop the plant monster, man? If our guns don't work and like axes, I'm like, there are other options here. And he's like, what if we burn him down? <laughs> and they're like, "Oh shit, that's a good idea." The the Nikki, the the research assistant woman, is like, "Why don't you just cook them?" Like, and they're just <laughs> like,
3: "Because she's the only woman there has to be the one to suggest the cooking."
1: Well, that's the thing; she's not the only woman there. There's another woman oh, there true. in the beginning, and she disappears. Like, she, you're right; I totally forgot she existed until now. She's like the nurse lady, and then she just disappears part way through the movie. But yeah, you're right. Nikki's like, why don't we just cook them? And they're like, oh, God damn, that's a good idea. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> it's a plant. That'd be like my number one yeah, thought. You gotta
4: think about it like Pokemon, right? Yeah. <laughs> <What? laughs>
1: yeah, the type advantage. We have kerosene.
5: <laughs> I choose you!
4: Oh, which the kerosene part? Can we talk Let's about talk that? Let's talk about
1: that. Let's jump to that. Yeah.
4: Holy moly. So yeah they come up with the idea thanks to nikki that they're just like oh we gotta cook this bastard so they take a whole bunch of kerosene this and they lure the um the monster to them and they just start they're in this room and i forget if it's like a specific room or i think it's whatever. just like
1: a dorm yeah
4: but like they just start throwing a bunch of kerosene over it and then lighting it and there's just like flames everywhere and i remember like Nikki was holding like a mattress or something so that she wouldn't get burned.
1: (laughs) This scene is why actors have a union.
5: (laughs) I was
1: (laughs) shocked (laughs) because this man in the frankenplant suit is... Oh, we should call him Frankenpine. That's that's it. (laughs) That's where we go. (laughs) Frankenpine walks in the room and they hit him with kerosene and then light him on fire and continue to dump buckets of kerosene on him in like real time from like two feet away and all I could think watching this whole room burst into flame the woman's little mattress, shield, which is a fucking joke unless it's filled with asbestos or something (laughs) (laughs) like the whole room is bursting into flames and i was like this is this is a thing that isn't cg there's no visual effects here they just fucking lit a man on fire and (laughs) proceed just let kerosene burn a room to the ground and then he gets out and he runs out in the snow and he's rolling around i'm like that guy He might have fucking died. That might have been the last scene they filmed with him. And that's why he's only in this movie for like four minutes.
4: Well, I made a joke afterwards because like the monster gets away. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't work. And like they're all kind of just like huddled together in a separate room. And they're kind of just like, what's our plan B? And like the main guy, he's like nursing his wounds. And I was just like, is that real?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did that guy really get burned? (laughs) yeah that fucking shit was nuts jeffrey what did you think what did you guys think of this whole scene with the fire and the because that blew that one was blew me away with that like i was like holy shit what
2: (laughs) uh it was uh it was about as under control as a a hunter's ridge bonfire back in the day (laughs) no doubt um, that was
1: christmas tree levels of fucking burning
2: (laughs) but um no it was pretty climactic uh I'm surprised it didn't have more long-term impact. Like it seems like obviously it injured the creature, but he sort Mm -hmm. of brushed it off and was able to come back at seemingly full strength. Um, From the standpoint of the characters must have been like a kind of like a a blow to what they were, the outcome they were expecting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I definitely get that it was like, oh God, what is, why didn't the fire work kind of type thing?
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, that's a good point, Gio, About like um, there wasn't really any consequences of that, like either (laughs) like for them or against them. It would have been kind of cool to see like some sort of like oh, we you know need this tool now, but we accidentally like burned the entire room down, like yes, yeah.
1: Or like you know, because what happens next is and this. This is the stuff that made me go. I like this movie, but I like it, and there's only half an hour left because all of this is like the last thirty minutes right, of the movie. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and one of the, the things I liked about it though was that they keep talking about how the monster, oh well, Frankenpine, isn't actually dumb. He's not a monster. He's intelligent. His people built a spaceship. He flew it here. He has plans and like an agenda. But we don't see it until the fire shit happens. And this is the part where I was like, wow, I got to know if this happens in the short story or not. Because every single one of these movies seems like it happens. The monster decides, fuck it. I'll just go under and let everyone else freeze to death because I know I'll be fine.
5: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Let the people who are coming find me. And then I'll spread my seeds across the planet. And he he cuts the oil to the heaters. And everyone starts panicking because they're like, oh shit. We don't have any oil. He cut the oil. And so they ha- he's basically forcing them all into, which I wish we did more with because that seemed like the move. He basically forces them all into the generator room so they can use like the electric heating blankets and shit. But we don't really get any more there. Like I feel like if the first half of this movie wasn't spent so much dicking around about... The rom com that apparently predated this thing, <laughs> um, there would be so much movie here to have. Like, they're in the generator room. They're paranoid because they're like the only room that's safe now is this one because he can't cut the power without being there. Um, and I like that they show that he's clever. You know, I liked also we we kind of glossed over it, but. The part where Dr. Douchebag is experimenting with the seeds and the mm-hmm. blood. um, Kind of wish there was a little bit more... You know, in the 82 film, like, they're like, well, who has the keys to the blood supply? Like, there's a bit of a...
4: Yeah, I did like that lockdown. part because I felt like that was something that John Carp- uh, Carpenter did take away yeah. from this movie was, like, the blood plasma, which we see in, like, the next movie where it's just, like, they're using it to test themselves to see, like, who's you know, who's who yeah, um, and who's the, you know, alien. So I thought that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, they certainly did a good job of working that portion of the story into this adaptation.
1: Yeah, I was pretty impressed that they were able to be like, okay. And, you know, let's talk about that now since we're here, you know. He's feeding the seedlings with blood plasma Mm -hmm. and they're growing at this really rapid rate. The implication being that this species is going to turn Earth into sort of a feeding ground for his people or whatever, right? Or or for some army to take over the planet. It's all vague B-movie nonsense. Allie, let's start with you. What do you think of this monster on its own? And then what do you think of it kind of compared to the other, the the proper thing, let's say, the majority thing, (laughs) since it has the most movies at this point?
3: So kind of from the the horror movies I've seen of this era, it just from the way it looked to kind of the way it, I don't know, the way it acted was, just felt mm-hmm. like the quintessential like 50s uh, <laughs> monster. Which yeah, was, absolutely. Yeah, it was, I don't know. Um, I was, I kind of was expecting it to be more intelligent because they kept, they kept like talking about that and mentioning that like oh Mm. this this creature is like it's a plant but no it's it's intelligent and has like a society but then it was kind of like you said acting like Frankenstein which right in at least the movie Frankenstein you know not very intelligent but yeah so that was kind of weird but then yeah when it um, cut the cut the fuel supply or whatever it was um, Mm. I was kind of expecting things to ramp up a little bit um so, yeah, uh, I, one thing that I was thinking is that, like, it's too bad that the, you know, back in the 50s when this was made, they didn't really have the notion of, like, oh, it's, sometimes it's scarier when you don't show the monster.
1: Um, yeah, it, it was really weird how they had certain, like, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier with the, the bodies hanging in the, mm-hmm. in the greenhouse, like, I don't need to see the monster do that. But if you show me what the monster's done, and it's this horrific people hanging from the rafters, I'm going to be like, oh, shit. Like Star Trek uh, Wrath of Khan. You mm-hmm. know, that's exactly what they do in Wrath of Khan. Now I'm thinking about it. True. Khan goes to the space station. We don't watch him do anything. But when Kirk and the gang show up, they find all the bodies strung hanging from the rafters and all this crap. And you mm-hmm. see this horrible thing he did. In this movie, we're told a lot. Like, it tells you a lot of what the monster's doing. And if we do see him, he's skulking around like Allie pointed out, like Frankenstein from those movies, and then he quickly runs away into the snow and disappears to somewhere.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I will say the the monster appearances themselves are quite underwhelming, but the whole concept and um, kind of elaboration they give amongst the characters while he's not on screen is, I think that's what at least kind of makes it work to an extent.
1: Yeah, I definitely think it's it's all there, right? Like, all the scary elements are present. It's just I think we never see them come to fruition. Um, even when they ultimately kill the monster, it's it's like you're killing a monster. You're not killing a being that is capable of interstellar flight that has this whole agenda to take over your planet. Mm-hmm. It's like they're killing Frankenstein. Yeah,
4: it's very much akin to, like, Alien. And so those things are more like animals. Or, like, recently, nope. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was like a monster that was an alien. And I'm sure somewhere, you know, there's more of them, but it didn't really have that intellectual capability. Right. It was just doing what it normally does, which is just speed right see you previous know.
1: episode on nope yeah. yes. <laughs>
4: um, and so that's kind of how I saw like the monster like in this movie they were saying oh it's capable of doing all these things but in reality it's just like alien or it's just like the monster from nope Like, I'd argue
1: even alien at least was more clever in some regard like we see it be clever right like yeah. it knows where to there hide it knows how to do these things whereas this monster Men. appears and then fights and then runs away and then does it's clever shit in the background
2: Yeah, the xenomorphs and alien definitely show tactics from, like, ambushing people to working in hordes to flank groups of survivors and everything.
1: Yeah, they're, like, hunting. Whereas Mm -hmm. this thing is just, if they had showed, I feel like if we had just done something where they got on board the ship or some shit, and it was, like, they found that this guy is not, you know, a monster. He's just, like, a pilot. Like, he's a part of the crew that was on board. Maybe he's just the pilot. Maybe he's just, like, the engineer or something. Like, if we're talking about an alien in a society, right, they have roles. Like, every single one of them doesn't know how to do everything these things are capable of, right? Like, I don't know how to fly a plane. Humans build planes. If a plane crashed on an island and I was on it, that doesn't mean I know how to fly it. It also doesn't mean I know all this other shit. But I'm probably not running around like Frankenstein, stumbling and arguing at everything like it's not going to be that way. <laughs> but it's still like I have a set of skills, right, that I can I can attribute here. It's almost like Predator, like Predator, smart hunter. Yeah. But like he ain't building a spaceship to get off of fucking Earth. Like that's not his goal. He's just like, I'm here to hunt. That's all I know how to do. That's all I'm going to do this movie, it wants to be the schlocky 50s monster movie, but then it also talks with, like, all this depth and, like, but it's intelligent and science and all those other things. And it's like, yeah, well, show me that. <laughs> show me anything. Yeah. Show me the monster doing something.
2: There's certainly some kind of dissonance there between the, yeah, what you see and what you're told.
1: Absolutely. But we're jumping around it. I mean, I got to say, I wish, I, I wish there was more to say about what happens in this movie. A lot of it is just, what are we going to do about the monster? How do we stop the monster? And then some like, a lot of it's off screen and they talk after the fact, right? Like the Dr. Douchebag, who's like, we're going to protect it in the greenhouse. And they're like, okay, cool. Um, And then they're like, oh no, you asshole, you did that. And he's like, yeah, well, those guys knew what they were getting into, which is like titular Dr. Douchebag thing to say. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But the end of this movie I guess we could jump to and then we could just discuss the whole thing as we are kind of already doing but at the end of this movie they go to defeat the monster 1 and Geo, you're yes. the engineer here I need you to mm-hmm. explain if this actually has any merit because we watched this and I was like this doesn't feel like it would work <laughs> like, they're like oh we're going to ground him and we put the grounding thing under a piece of wood and I was like well hold on a minute that doesn't sound right and they electrocute him with like some kind of crazy voltage that just like fries him into the little crispy chicken nugget.
2: <laughs> yeah, they basically create like artificial lightning over him that arcs through his body. I mean, yeah, there's some plausibility to it. Um, yeah, I certainly think that's more plausible than him having cut the oil and the freezing temperatures not affecting all of his cell walls. So, I mean, I think it's yeah. more credible in that sense than... The plant not freezing. I mean, he's not shown any properties of being a tree or anything. It seems almost more like he's like cabbage or something, which would absolutely not survive freezing temperatures. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. he much less equipped to do that than a human being.
5: My cabbages!
1: You know, yeah, and he's got like clothes. Like he has clothes, oh, yeah. right? And they're all torn up. He's not, I mean, he's equally as inappropriately dressed as half the other people in this film, <laughs> in my opinion, but... He's still, like, not equipped for winter weather. He's got a lot of exposed skin, like his hands, his face and stuff. But, yeah, I feel like the cold would affect this guy. It makes more sense in the other movies because I think we're kind of given that ambiguity of what is the thing. Like, what are its physical properties at its core? For sure. it, It can survive the cold, and that's fine. We can accept that it survives the cold. But when you tell me, this thing's a plant... I'm like, I don't know, man. If I chuck a green onion out in the snow, it's not gonna live for very long. Like, it's gonna kinda eat it pretty quick. But they do they do fry this motherfucker into a crispy vegan chicken nugget, I should say, given the the stipulations here. But they don't they I, I this is one of those things that we were just talking about. Is it it was like it's smart, but it's not smart. And this whole sequence annoyed yeah. me because of that. Because they're like Oh, captain, what if what if uh he doesn't he he realizes that like we're going to do something. We have to bait him, right? And I'm like, "Yeah, there you go. Think about it like that. He's not an idiot." And they're like, "Well, we'll just run down the hall further and he'll chase us." Mm-hmm. And I was like,
2: "Knowing their weakness, I sent wave after wave of my own men at them."
1: <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Um, and they do that. They do that. He comes in and they they he chases them into like their little trap that they've set, but not before Doctor Douchebag. I get that this was to like raise the st- like the tension of the scene, and it does it for like a second, and then it is almost hilarious when it stops is they're like oh god dr douchebag cut the power and they all like turn and they run to the generator they have enough time by the way to run into the generator room and they point a flashlight and he's like holding it they're like, he's got a gun and he's holding a gun and he's like I will not let you kill this and then they throw his hand back yeah. and he shoots the gun and they're like good turn it back on and I was like what the fuck why did we stop this um, I thought that part was hilarious it was so, because it, it's it's the confidence Dr. Douchebag has in that moment <laughs> when he's like, I will not let you. He's going to say, I will not let you kill this creature. And they just like, before he's fucking done, one of the guys just kind of grabs him I and know, moves they him. They
4: overpowered him <laughs> so easily. It was like nothing.
1: I'm like, in a movie, even in like the 70s, there would have probably been a little bit more time to where he's holding, guys guy's like, I'm not going to do this. And they kind of have a showdown about it. And honestly, maybe right there you kill Dr. Douchebag. But no, they don't kill him there. The monster kind of takes care of that for them. Because as a last-ditch effort, good old Dr. D.B. comes out there, runs out before they can flip the switch, and is begging the creature to not unalive the people. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, don't be bad, I want to help you. But like, what does that even mean? Assuming you can even understand him. Yeah. It's like if someone from like fucking, I don't know, like rural China ran up to you and was like shouting something in a dialect you could understand, flailing their arms, screaming at you. (laughs) And you're like, these people have been trying to set me on fire. They've been trying to kill me. They've shot me. One of their dogs took my fucking arm. I think this guy's this guy's trying to do something here. He's trying to fight me. One v one me, bro. Let's do this. And like you you end up get he smacks him out of the way. Yeah. Totally thought he killed Dr. Douchebag, though.
4: I know, because he was lying on the floor. He was like he was just slow.
1: Yeah, he was done. <laughs> and I was like, cool, one hit. And right there to me, I'm like, yeah, that shows the strength of this superhuman plant Franken Frankenpine here. One punch, man and, and Dr. Douchebag's down, he's dead and then I love that unlike the scene where Dr. Douchebag has the gun, they drag the fucking scene out where like, they're like, wait till he's in the middle captain, and he's like, takes a step takes a step, cuts back to the guys keep, keep waiting until he's in the middle, captain takes a step, takes a step clearly in the middle, and then he's like, wait till he's in the middle captain, <laughs> same scene we just saw where he starts taking the same steps and they're like okay that's good and they flip the switch and they roast him and they really crispify him with electricity which just they they just seem to let certain scenes hang for a while like the stepping and then the roasting up and it just kind of keeps going and he's like I think he's had enough I was like, he'll have enough until he can't get up again or something like that and I'm like Okay, here we're we're doing this. Okay, cool. Like, let's just fucking roast this guy. And they do. They make him in some bro- roasted Brussels sprouts. He's just a pile of nasty black goop on the ground. <laughs> and they're like, "Thank God, you know, for America, the day is saved." And <laughs> we just and Chow Hall
2: stocked for two more weeks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, feeling like roasted broccoli for the next two weeks. <laughs> um, but then we kind of just cut. I don't know how much time has passed. It feels like it was a minute, and it feels like it was like a day. But we're trying to ring the boss on the radio back uh, in Anchorage, and they finally get through to him, and there's also this weird low-key romantic thing going on in the background oh yeah that was i didn't weird. really it was weird as hell right am i am i wrong like this was weird this mm-hmm. was strange oh
4: yeah because even the uh reporter guy because he's like broadcasting this message right about what happened and um he's like oh sorry guys but like so and so captain dude yeah. is preoccupied at the moment and with they all turn to the him call and they duty. start yeah. laughing
1: yeah because he's like making out with Nikki, or whatever, in the yeah. background, or something. Yeah. But, like, it was so weird. Like, it was just like a strange moment where they're like, Oh, you should marry our captain. And he's like, No. no. And she's like, I mean, I'd be cool with that. And I'm like, Wait a minute. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, didn't we almost die? <laughs> like, what, what is happening? But I love the. The, you could tell, like, that whole scene was written just so this fucking reporter could get his little Optimus Prime speech out of the way at the end. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh. I send this message to all reporters in Anchorage. These people are heroes. Keep watching the sky. <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God. Like, this is so fucking dumb. But they do it, and then you get, of course, classic, classic B-movie, 50s movie, end card, The End. Done, um, and that's pretty much the thing from Another World. Uh, there's other little bits in this movie that I thought were kind of funny, like how they clearly don't quite understand radiation. Like the people that wrote the oh, movie.
3: Yeah. I loved how in the in the beginning they were like, "Oh, the Geiger counters off the charts," and they're like, yes! cool, uh, get "Closer and <laughs> closer." <laughs>
5: exactly what I said
1: he's like oh my god the Geiger counter is maxed out and I'm like and you're all dead like what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> like you should be bleeding out of your eyeballs right now and they're just like weird like the blinking's faster and I'm like that is not <laughs> how radiation works but that the that, that gets carried through the whole film because the monster is fucking radioactive so it's like all these people have cancer when this is over hands Mm -hmm. down no doubt like (laughs) just from it walking around their building they're like yeah we we found him it's going up it's going up if he punches dr douchebag he's dead the cancer at least is gonna get his ass like he is not gonna come out of this okay he touched him fucking touched him i just love the the weird lack of understanding about like radiation and kind of the newer science of the time. I thought, I thought it was just the Geiger counter shit was just so fucking funny. No one's even bothering to gear up. Nothing. There's like, whoa, look at all this radiation. It's so fucking weird.
2: They already yeah. had people die of acute radiation syndrome um, at that time too, from activities like the Manhattan Project. Right. Oh, wow. So they, yeah, they already had some insight into the effects of it,
1: which is shocking yeah. that they didn't bother to like incorporate that. They're just like, up. Oh, Look at all this radiation! Hey, that's where it is. Let's go hit it with a thermite bomb. Which I was kind of... Well, uh, well go ahead. Sorry.
2: They they also didn't get the memo about the lack of solid landmass at the North Pole either.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know it's only gotten worse, but like, come on, they're, they're acting like there's a whole bunch <laughs>
2: of places to
1: go. This is at best like northern Canada. Like, come on. It ticked me off though. That we have our, like, Chekhov's gun with the fucking thermite bombs. Kill Frankenpine with the thermite bomb. That was right there. And instead they're like, what if we fucking line the hallway with wires? I'm like, you have everything you need. Just do it. Like... And the movie sets itself up. They're like, oh, what do you do? Like, they do a whole beat where the reporter's like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, we're setting up thermite bombs. And I know I joked about it earlier, but they're like, this is like standard procedure. Therefore, we have a bunch of these. And so they do it. And the whole time I'm like, okay, we're going to blow up the man. We're going we're gonna to blow up Frankenpine with thermite bomb. Like that kerosene fire wasn't enough. But he even says, you know what will be enough, boss? And I'm like, a thermite bomb. (gasps) Electricity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) I guess. Like, what if he's, like, more wood? What if he's not, like, conductive? You're just going to sit there for a long time watching him singe. So this is like, I don't know. I kind of wanted an explosion at the end, I guess. Kind of like, you know, the better... I know, you're telling me
4: they don't have dynamites and shit. They got the bomb they
1: blew up with a fucking spaceship (laughs) with. They take care of him, no problem. Like, dead. He's outside most of the time, just throw it at him. I don't fucking
2: know. (laughs) Cast him into the fire! I got another question for you regarding that scene. So how many times when he's taken his slow trudge toward the (laughs) uh, apparatus they had set up for him... Did you picture Lancelot running towards the castle? Oh my
1: God, the whole time. I was like waiting. I was waiting with bated breath. (laughs) When are they going to reuse a shot? In this whole movie, I was waiting for it. I'm like, they got to reuse one at some point. And the fact that it wasn't the Lancelot thing where it's the same exact shot over and over, that they filmed two. And then it must have been when they were editing the film, they said, two's not enough. We need one more. And they're like, but we're already done filming. And they said, ah, shit. Well, we'll just do the last one again. No one will know. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it just... (sighs) And he takes the same step again. And I'm like, oh, my God two was fine just fucking blow him up god <laughs>
3: just fucking <laughs> blow him up
5: already. Right? <laughs> well it's also
1: cause they're like wait till he's in the middle captain and I'm just sitting there staring at I'm like he's in the middle and they're like wait till he's in the middle captain and I'm like does it really matter I mean he's in the middle anyway but what are... he's almost in the middle captain I'm like okay he's in the fucking middle let's do this right ka-chunk and we zap him and I'm like okay I saw the metal great they put down it stretched the whole piece of wood why did you have to wait for him to be in the middle he's in the thing he's in the kill box here just fucking throw the switch the second he takes a step but no we have to make it intense for like no fucking reason and I guess they paid good money for that hell for all I know this movie actually like fried a dummy to death with like some kind of arcing (laughs) Tesla coil or some shit I don't know it was weird as hell this movie the fire scene I think was my favorite though If I have to be honest, I think it's atrocious and it should never happen in real life again. But it was wild as fuck. Like these people had no fear. Like the actors on set had no fucking fear. Even like
4: the fumes from the fire. I'm just like, holy shit. Like it's a very small room too. It
1: just, they all (laughs) kept getting closer to each other with buckets of fuel. It blew my fucking mind.
4: Your lungs would be like totally fried. Oh, they (laughs)
1: smoke cigarettes like chain smokers I'm sure back then. They're fine. They eat them on sandwiches and shit. It's fine. They they don't. They're born for it. They're born for it. They're made for it. They trained for this scene. (laughs) They (laughs) did like a couple long drags before they started Yeah, you're going to be like two feet away from him, dump a whole paint bucket of kerosene on his head. (laughs) Holy
5: shit.
2: Watch one of the outtakes. One of the actors is like smoking a cigarette during the scene as he's got a bucket of fuel in the other hand. But that's
1: what (laughs) happened in the movie. (laughs) They're filling the buckets and he says out loud... One of the guys goes, hey, chief, watch that cigarette. And he goes, oh, whoops. And he takes it, throws it on the ground next to the kerosene and stamps it out. And I'm like, you don't understand radiation. Apparently, you guys still haven't figured out fire, even though it's been like 2,000 fucking years since whatever. It's just like, dude kerosene plus cigarette big boom you don't want that like it's it's, it's a no brainer you lit up a fresh one just to do this job like what the shit is going on it makes me think that it was going to be an outtake right? like that actor was smoking a cigarette and they're like it's fine for the scene and then they started fucking about with actual kerosene and one of the other actors was like hey man you want to watch it and he was like oh shit and he like because he does he kind of like takes a step back throws it on the ground and he's like oh no I gotta stamp this out real quick I'm like that, you could have just killed everybody right there. like Everyone just burst into flame, pouring <laughs> this shit into paint cans. Who knows what's in those fucking cans? There could be paint still in them. God, fuck. feel bad for the bastard playing Frankenpine, too. He just kept getting hit with liquid fire. mm <laughs> Yeah, absolutely I hope
4: no one was harmed in the
2: making You know of this film, but... someone died.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> someone had to have died. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know about that, but harm maybe. <laughs>
1: I could see, I could definitely see Frankenpine or whoever the person in the suit in that scene was. Because if you notice, every scene they have him in, they like weirdly light it like darker. Yeah. Which I didn't quite understand. Mm-hmm. Because like, if you guys actually like see the, the poster for this movie or one of the posters from this movie, it has... His face shows you what he looks like. He looks kind of like Frankenstein. Yeah. But like, hmm. yeah. I'm like, why are why don't we see that?
4: Oh, I bet after the kerosene, uh, like scene,
1: <laughs> his like phantom of the opera was
4: like <laughs> uh, already melting away, <laughs> and they were just like, shit, like we still have thirty more minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Can't you just walk it off, Lou? Um,
4: <laughs> it's just all coming off
1: like slowly. It's melting yeah. off. Oh god. <laughs> oh jeez. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like we've said all there is to say about the individual scenes of this movie. So that'll lead me to the final questions, unless anybody has anything they want to say right now for this movie. <laughs> lead me to the final questions for this film. Jeffrey, we'll start with you. What are you giving this movie out of ten? Would you suggest people watch it? And why, why not? I and would... where does it where does it fall in the the hierarchy of thing movies? Like what is your now that we've done them all on this show with you guys, where does where does the thing from another world land amongst the 82 movie and the 2011 movie?
2: I would say six and a half out of 10. I certainly didn't walk away from it feeling like I had, you know, was disappointed much or wasted any time watching it. Um, I guess worth checking out. Like I said, the, uh, the way they adapted it. And I think the self-awareness that the filmmakers showed, um, uh, really makes it viable. Um, It's certainly not Mm -hmm. as good as the 82. I would say it's more solid than the 2011 and that it didn't really explicitly drop the ball on anything. And because of that, I would put it slightly over the 2011 one, and the 82 one is is significantly better than both.
1: So, like, 82 is, like, way up in the clouds, and then you got the 51 movies like kind of wherever like in the middle and then just beneath that is 2011 so there's like a big disparity between 82 and the other ones
2: exactly that's yeah that's what i would say um but overall yeah i would recommend watching it and i enjoyed giving it a go um i think for me though the thing that reminded me most that it was a 50s movie is that dialogue in the first 10 minutes even more so than the monster oh yeah
1: me too absolutely and i i I wish I could remember things they were saying. I mean, w- when we touched on it, that dialogue in the beginning where they're gambling, you talk about the gambling scene where yes. he's pulling everything back to the mm-hmm. dames and the ladies and all that. It's just it's it it I don't even know how they brought it back so many times to the same subject. I was I on the one hand, I was like this feels like it should be offensive, but I don't actually even know what they're saying. Kind of impressive. And then on the either. other hand, I was, that it became <laughs> impressed. I was like, wow, you found a way to bring it back to the same subject no matter what we're talking about. <laughs>
4: like, oh boy, I just remembered. Oh, sorry, go ahead.
2: Once in every five comments, you got the guy that's like, does this playful little rib on his buddy. This is like all this it together. Yeah. that's <laughs> It's like we're
1: talking about something.
2: They were talking about something relatively
1: serious, too. They're like, we have a job to do, guys. I'm going to need you ready to go, like, North Pole at a moment's notice. Well, the dames, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, dude, you always losing out with the dames. I'm like, did we not hear
5: (laughs) what was going on? Like, it was so
1: weird.
4: And I totally erase this from my mind, but there's one part where they're just, like, messing around. And another guy comes in and he's like is this a lynching party and I was like oh boy
2: I erased that like.
1: yeah I totally forgot about that I was like that.
4: that reminded me that it was yeah that, ooh, that firmly yeah. plants it
1: yeah that guy and it's it's not to me it wasn't so much the line as much as the playful way he said it that kind of had me go Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a weird choice man uh
2: I mean, because uh, it was
1: so odd too. But
2: McCready does say it in the 82 version, but it's in a more serious tone where he's pissed off with everybody when he, he breaks back into the storage room and he's like, You sweethearts think, thought you were going to have a little lynching party or something like that when they're all right. kind of leaving it, him out to dry.
1: But it's. And it makes sense there because it's him saying, he's di- they're, they're directing it at himself. This guy is just like, oh, gang, you look like you're having a lynching party. He's almost ready to say, like, need another one? What are we going after? Oh, oh an alien? Oh. oh, I don't like those either. It's like, no, 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 not that kind. Oh, 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 like a like a oh, space yeah. one. He's <laughs> like, got
4: his cross and his hood just yeah, right. He's no.
1: like, oh, let me go get my clothes out of the truck. He's like, wait a minute, Jerry, we're not doing that. Like, Let's calm the fuck down and we'll talk later because that wasn't okay. But yeah that I forgot about that scene yeah. the, it's also weird now that you bring it up that like so many people at this base are like like I don't think we ever see that guy until that scene and at that point the monster has already like run amok like he's doing shit and this guy's just chilling he's like their windows except if windows never left the radio room and was just mm-hmm. like oh what's going on gang like oh yeah oh oh, oh there's an alien oh wow well, good luck, guys. I'll, I'll be here if you need me to call anybody. <laughs> like whatever. I don't know. It's such a weird. It is definitely a firmly fifties movie, though. The dialogue across the board, especially in the beginning during the gambling scene and when when Nikki ties him up and starts making oh, out with yeah. him, all that so fifties. I'm like, wow. It definitely you definitely could tell when it came out. Um, Allie, so same questions. What would you rate this film? Uh, uh, would you suggest people watch it? And then, where in the hierarchy of the thing films does it fall?
3: I think I'm gonna give it a five. Oh, um, okay. Because kind of like I said in the beginning, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I just it's solidly in the middle. Um, I like. I wouldn't say don't watch it, but I I wouldn't like recommend people to go out of their way to watch it unless That's you. I, I think. This is going to sound harsh, but like for me, the most entertaining thing about this movie was seeing where um, just the inspiration that Carpenter took from and like kind of connecting those dots and seeing um, what he did with like using this as the source material. Mm -hmm. Um, What were the other questions? Oh,
1: um, what... <clears throat> what is your thing ranking? So, like, oh, the, right, you right, have right. this, the 82, um, and the 2011.
3: Yeah, so 82 is obviously, like you said, at the very top. Um, it's like I had no with,
1: doubts everyone in this room is
5: going to be at the top.
3: It's up there with the best horror movies yeah. ever made. Um, and then I, I am actually going to rank the 2011 one Ooh. slightly higher than this one. Um, they could probably be on the same plane. But I, I just thought that the um, 2011, at least the plot was more detailed. I, I just think this one really kind of bored me with how straightforward the plot was.
1: That's all of that is like really fair. And not that any ratings on this show are unfair. You can like what you like and dislike what you like, don't like. but I feel like those are some seriously fair opinions about this. Like it is a very straightforward movie. It's definitely of its time. It's not trying to do this big, you know, commentary on much of anything. And, yeah, I also have to really agree with your point about... The most entertaining thing, I think, about this movie is the fact that the 82 movie... And I guess that... Well, actually, in this case, especially the 2011 movie, because I would say that is a direct remake of this with the proper stuff. Um, I think that's the most interesting thing about this movie is that historical value amongst the other two films is it's like I would not go out of my way to watch this. Like if I want a 50s horror, or you know, sci-fi kind of horror movie, I'll probably watch like Day the Earth Stood Still or War of the Worlds or something before I watch this. Like those are better movies, in my opinion. And they do say something and they do actually build to whatever while still being that kind of cheesy 50s sci-fi whatever kind of almost nonsense thing this though is like there are things about it i i i enjoy i found funny or like even just wild again from like a you would not have an actor do that nowadays thing um but yeah i agree with you i think a lot of it is the hindsight like we're from the future so we can look at this and we have these other versions to kind of go off of as opposed to just like oh boy the thing from another world yay
2: (laughs) yeah very true it roots it in a lot more context
1: and maybe maybe people you know we all I don't think any of us here have read the short story so maybe that's the way everyone approached it when it initially came out like people had read the short story they knew what it was and they were like oh let's go see the movie version of that and then I'm curious if they were disappointed or were they like oh that's the best they could do or what have you Amber, you're up. Same questions. Rating, suggest or don't, and why? And then where is it? I guess since it's obvious that the Carpenter thing is everyone's number one here by like a landslide, is it better than 2011 or is it not better than 2011? And if you have a reason, defend yourself.
4: Yeah, so I'm probably going to go somewhere in the middle between Geo and Allie. So I'll give it like a six. Um, yeah, so it wasn't super great. And yeah, I don't know I guess it goes into the next question of like what I recommend this? like I don't know if I would watch it again Mm. um like but if people want to have that trifecta of the thing you know like yeah I would say like watch it at least once um but not like every single time you know and lastly I do so of course like the thing 1982 is going to be at the top right right um But now that I've heard kind of Allie's view on it, I think I would go with like the 2011 version over this one.
0: Really? Yeah, because
4: I think the only thing that really hurt the 2011 was the CG. Hmm. Like, I think it would have actually been pretty good. Like, I think the dialogue in some parts was kind of like weak sauce, but like, (laughs) otherwise, I think what really hurt it the most was the CG monster and if they had just done like the like practical um, yeah practical effects like they had shown mm-hmm. um i think it would have been great so yeah okay whereas this one it was a lot more than just like oh the effects and whatnot like the effects were lagging and then also like the dialogue was just i mean it's very 1950s yeah um so probably not really like used to that or used to seeing that but i just felt like there was a lot to be like, desired. Okay.
1: Again, like I said with Ellie's point, that's a fair... That's fair. This movie, in my opinion, does leave a lot to be desired. If I gave it a rating, I'd actually probably... I don't think I could give this a six. Like, it's not... On its own, it's not that good. Like, <clears throat> they do a lot of talking. They do a lot of telling you the things about the thing from another world. And... I might as well read a book, <laughs> like, it, it, you know. It's like you're just gonna tell me this shit. You're never gonna show me what's the point of a movie, um, you know. And the the best scenes in this film are the scene where they hit it with kerosene and they learn like, oh, it it that works, but it doesn't work enough. Like, it, you know, we have to figure out a more precise way to deal with this. When they discover the ship, you know, in the ice. Like, it's goofy and campy as hell, but again, it's a movie from 1951. I'm here for it already. I'm already signed up for this. That's fine. Um, But then we don't... we get. But in that same scene, there's shit that pisses me off where they keep describing the ship under the ice as if they can see it like they're looking through glass. And we are never shown anything more than a fin sticking out of the ground. And then when the... The thing when Frankenpine is in the ice, they're like, "Oh, the ice is too opaque to look at him." And then suddenly they can see his face, and I'm like, I noticed well, pick, that too. "Right, like pick one. The, the ice is either completely translucent or or it's misty and opaque. You can't see anything. Like pick a lane. It, you can't have the spaceship as perfectly visible. Oh, audience, if only you could see this fucking awesome <laughs> thing. Do a matte painting, even a crappy like 50s map painting, like they." Like, you don't have to meet the 1982 version, but, I mean, just some little, you know? It's not that hard to draw a flying saucer in a 50s fucking sci-fi movie. They do it all the time. Hell, just bury one of the plastic ones or under some plastic and then do a shot. Um, which kind of leads me to my main gripe and why I can't bring my thing above a, up to a 6. Like, I would give this maybe like a 5.5, 5.7 max. Is they it felt like they didn't have enough money to make this movie. And I don't mean like, Oh, we have to sub out the cellular or whatever with a plant. No, that's fine. You can do that. But like a little shot of a plastic spaceship under a piece of glass with some, you know, asbestos on it for snow. Like that's a fifties thing. Boom, right there. Done. (laughs) Like you got your shot of the spaceship. I get to see that. I get to go, Oh my God, a spaceship, you know? or or oh he's killing people. Like we don't even get a shadow. We get like one shot of a shadow coming over somebody, I think. And it doesn't even kill him. He just screams and everyone ca- he shoot though I will say that's exactly what I would have done is he just unloads on the motherfucker and then runs away. And I'm like, yeah, no, nah, I would do that. Like alien comes out of the ice and is coming at me. I'm going to I'm going to just keep firing until I get away. Fine. But so much is told and not shown. I mean, even creepy things don't have impact because there's so little of it and you're not really waiting for it. Like when he's growing the seeds and you watch them pulsing. It's like you couldn't even be bothered to put a heartbeat sound effect when he listens with the stethoscope. Like you couldn't even be bothered to give me that (laughs) one little extra layer of immersion of these things pulsating. These things that will grow into other, you know... Like Spruce Lee and and other Frankenpines or something, and they're going and killing humanity. Like, you can't even just give me that. Like, come on, it's fucking lame. Um, I would say if you are a fan of the John Carpenter thing, I would say give this movie a watch. Um, just like like everyone's been pointing out, you know, oh, it's it's kind of cool to see where he got. Like, he wanted to make this because probably he grew up watching this movie, right? Like, he saw this and was like, I'm going to do that. If you like the 2011 movie, you might find this one kind of fun because it's like, hey, it's like the same movie but different. Despite my gripes, I think I prefer this one over 2011 a little bit. Because to me, Ali, you pointed out it's very straightforward. But I think... It's also very, like, because it's that straightforward, everything just makes fucking sense. Like, the scientist isn't a good person. Dr. Douchebag is just that. He's a douchebag. But, like, his points make sense. Like, he's like, this is an alien life form. We should be studying. This is the greatest fucking thing humanity has ever come across in the last, you know, however, like, in recent history. We need to be studying this. In some way. The problem is he has no chill. He's like, we need to keep it alive. We need to say... As opposed to, I don't know, maybe save some of those fucking seeds and don't plant them all and just take them home. It's like fucking Jurassic Park. Just take some DNA with you and just go fuck about with it at home. You don't need the whole thing. Jesus. But... I liked his motivations, and I you can you can agree with his. You can also kind of agree with the with the Air Force people were like, we gotta kill it. It's a monster. It's there. It's going to kill our people. But then he's not killing that many people, so it's kind of like I don't feel the pressure of it, right? Whereas in 2011, I personally think a lot of people do things to make the movie happen. Um, this movie is inconsistent with science.
0: <laughs>
5: but I can
1: give it a pass because it's the 50s. <laughs> Whereas in 2011, like, for instance, the first uh, the first thing, the, the very first, the guy on the on the helicopter whose face splits in half, we don't ever see how he gets infected.
4: Yeah. Right? Where
1: it's all just to subvert your expectations. You think it's a sick guy. Everything points to the sick guy. It's, oh my God, it's the sick guy. No, it's not. And it's not because it just isn't going to be. And I'm like, see, that's silly. And it's things like that that I think bring the movie down just beneath this one. Because for all of this one's boring little faults, it's at least, like, a linear, like, everything happens because it's just, that's it's it's set up. We're going to do this. We're going to kill the monster, and this is how we're going to do it. It's a little silly how, the actual, like, electrocution, but, like, you know they're going to kill the monster, and we're going to do that. As opposed to, like, with the 2011 one where by the end of the movie we're back on the ship it's got dr douchebag's fucking face and it's all chimeraed out and it's chasing them in the fucking air vents it's like that movie takes a huge turn whereas this one it stays isolated like the carpenter version um i just wish they kind of did more of that isolating component like the fact they kept getting messages from the captain or whoever back at back in anchorage i'm like This doesn't, it killed all weight of like, oh God, we're on our own. We have to figure this out. I think if they nixed that, it would have been a much better movie. Like, it's a fight between the scientists and the Air Force guys of how do we deal with this and ultimately just have it in the same way. But yeah, if you like the 2011 one, you can watch this for like a historical fun. But I agree with Amber. I'll watch the 2011 one in tandem with the 82 one regularly, but that's only because they're a lot closer in like, They, they feel like they're a couplet of a movie. This one, is just nice to know, you know? And, like, watch it once in a while, I guess, if you're into the thing. But even then, I haven't watched this movie in over, like, ten years. Oh, the first time I watched it. I didn't remember half of it. But I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I don't know about if I'm good for another ten years, but I'm good for now. So, I don't need to watch it again. Made me want to watch the 82 one, though. I feel like I watched that, like, a month ago. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's interesting, like, how, like, I don't know if you guys also feel like this, but where, because we just watched It's a Wonderful Life, and that's very dialogue heavy. Mm. Like, you actually have to listen to what they're saying, because they're describing things that have already happened or, like, you know, are happening, like, currently. And, you know, we've gotten away from that to where it's, like, the thing from 1982, it's, like, a lot of it is just silence like Mm -hmm. and then things happening and you're just like watching it happen to now it's just like it's like a different way of acting I guess and a lot of people seem to like that where it's just like wow this person is a great actor and they don't say anything (laughs) like they're just like whether it's just like facial expression or there's like something going on they're like responding to it in some way I've noticed there's such a there has been such a big shift from like that to like now or yeah. it's just like it's not there's actually people hate it when there's so much dialogue i feel like
1: i think it's a double-edged sword kind of because i i think yeah we they used to talk a lot and it makes sense because you're you're in a movie where you can talk the film is probably more expensive and you want your money's worth out of it so talk um and nowadays obviously like with digital cameras especially you don't need to worry about that it's the standard but then i don't know if you guys have seen it so sorry for any kind of spoilers you get shit like Avatar 2, The Way of Water, where you're doing these 45-minute-long montages of no dialogue, just ambient music and cartoons swimming in the water. And, like, there's an emotional component there, but I don't know what I'm supposed to be feeling because I haven't even been told who these people really fucking are. Like, as a character. Like, it's doing all of its characterization in visuals, And like that works sometimes, but it usually needs to be in tandem with like an event, like something that occurs that is probably talked about or an argument or something discussed where it's like, okay, we're going to do this now. Whereas in that film, I would say like they're like, oh, we live with the water people now. Go learn how to be water people. And it's just like Sigourney Weevatar swimming in the water. Looking sad? Question mark. Happy? I gotta pee. I'll be back. Maybe it'll be over. Oh God, it's not. It's it's the same (laughs) fucking montage. And I think you end up in those. Like I feel like that's where we've gone. We've gone kind of the complete other way.
4: Yeah, I think because you still have to lead your audience, you know, through the movie and kind of just be like, oh, I want you to feel like a certain way about this scene. Or, you know, like, if I want you to feel bad that, like, the Navi are getting fucked over, I should have done a better job of doing that, you know? Um, And, like, that's why I feel like the 1982 version of the thing, he does it so well. Because there are times when you're like, I feel really uneasy about this. Mm -hmm. And it's like he leads you into that. Or it's just like, you know, when there's, like, tension, like, he's leading you into that. Um, with the music, with maybe a little bit of dialogue, but also with like visually stuff going on.
1: And it's not to say it can't be done. I mean, take—I've mostly seen an animation. I mean, take uh, Samurai Jack or, or same creator, the original Star Wars Clone Wars miniseries. There is very little dialogue in those two television programs, and yet it tells this whole story. Um, it's animation so obviously there's a lot more wiggle room with what you can show as opposed to like a live action or I guess without making it you know like a CGI mess Um, but I think music is also a big heavy player in that and I think in those it's also a sequence like it's Samurai Jack is doing a thing. We're not watching a montage of him just doing shit and Mm -hmm. then be, and then we're supposed to, it's supposed to be a story. Like, oh, his character's built because we watched a a montage. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And I think we're at the point where something like Avatar 2, and I do want to hear your guys' opinions about this. Not necessarily Avatar 2 specifically, if you guys haven't seen it, but in general. Um, Avatar 2 is like this long montage where it's supposed to be that is that was the character building in that movie where it's like, this is how we're building their characters. And I'm like, but I don't know what the how they feel about this. Like, they look happy sometimes and then sad other times, but I don't even know how these people are supposed to be reacting. Whereas in something like The Thing from Another World specifically, it's like a verbal montage. Like, we're just being told all this information about the thing. And we're telling you, the thing is a monster. It's made out of plants. It's planting plant seeds. It's, oh, it took out the oil because it's so smart. It builds a spaceship. We need to be, like, you know, it, it feeds on blood. We're shown very little of these things. And if we are shown it, it's more after the fact to emphasize that it was already told to us. And it's kind of, at that point, it feels almost like a waste of time for one of those things to occur. But what do you What Do you guys have any thoughts about this whole... Random segue we got into about I don't, you know, show
2: don't tell versus too much showing. I don't think either method is better or worse than the other one, but I certainly do think each, like, each of the methods would appeal more to different people over the other one. It might even come down to the way somebody's brain's wired and what they would pick up on watching something. Like, what are they more auditory learner or more visual learner? Mm -hmm. Um, And they might just derive. Insight at a different rate, depending on the way information's presented. Obviously, it, it. I think it's apparent why most movies are kind of a balance of the two. Um, I think you could definitely get artsy with leaning more heavily on one or the other, though. But yeah, you're get they're going to be a little more esoteric in that sense, and maybe find more of a niche audience rather than striking a balance between the two. Um, oh, that's a good point so I guess I can't I can't give this as a direct example because the whole movie's not like this a lot of the other characters speak a lot but one of my favorite examples of a character who's really well developed that speaks very little throughout the movie is the driver in Drive
1: mm, yeah see previous episode I gotta watch Drive. that
3: movie again
1: <laughs> I need to watch it again too I haven't watched it since we did an episode on it and that was a while. I love yeah, that movie. Yeah, and we
4: got like a box set of it Yeah, we too. got it.
1: We bought it and we haven't watched it yet.
5: Four
1: games. Um <laughs> It's in the pile. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that's a great example. He barely talks but we get a lot of, uh, well, a lot of character built around this guy who barely talks. Um, but then you could also argue that it's because he, he's still reactive and other mm-hmm. people are saying things like he's reacting to what other people are doing, as opposed to two people having a conversation about him when he's either just sitting there or off screen and how his character has developed or watching him silently do stuff. But real quick, I think before we before we call this one, Allie, you're an artist. <laughs> I would love to hear your opinion on this. Um, whole showing instead of telling versus telling instead of showing uh what are your thoughts on this whole thing Uh,
3: well i didn't so yeah i didn't see avatar um that's
1: fine don't but
3: you can can definitely tell a really in-depth story with no dialogue um Mm. and you can also tell you know you can rely entirely on dialogue and still say nothing
5: yeah.
3: like um even though we were getting tons of dialogue and backstory um just from the dialogue we weren't really getting any like emotional depth you know the most I think we got was our main character and Nikki like alluding to their past romance right. um and like obviously we we get fear but that's it's pretty flat I think um so in terms of character development um I don't really think it's the I don't think it's the showing versus the telling I think it's just the way you do either one
1: yeah I mean I think I think that's where we've landed I think this movie does a lot more telling personally um when it should show but then the same time there's plenty of other things like I said like Samurai Jack right doesn't really tell anything it just shows you everything but it does it in a way where it's telling a story and you have an emotional connection with characters that was a fun segue <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that's everything we have to say for the thing from another world we have no idea what we're doing next week we we wanted to kick off this year I'm not sure what we're doing next but we'll let you know on our social medias such as facebook instagram twitter we have a tiktok now which (laughs) take that as you will um (laughs) but yeah we're we're all over the place just search so what happens next including our website where you can get links to this and all of the uh uh episodes including this one uh swhn19.com and let us know what you think of you know this and our other previous episodes what do you think of the other thing where does this fall in your random three in your three things right you know things as in the things does that make sense yeah um where does this fall in the trifecta as as amber i believe called it but until our next episode comes out oh also check out our, our video we made of, of weird two multiverse al that was a <laughs> lot of fun um that was a lot of fun. We, the learning special effects was fun to do. So go check that out. It's like five minutes of your day. It's, it, speaking of corny, stupid things, there's that. But anyway. That
3: was truly great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you. <laughs> that, was, that was filmed across the country. Um,
2: I'm excited for the sequel. was a
1: fluke. Oh, man. The sequel to the sequel. I, I want, if I could make it a whole movie I absolutely would
4: yeah we're waiting for you all to reach out to yeah, us yeah so. <laughs> Mr. Yankovic
1: come on reach out let's talk um, you want all those awards for weird you gotta have money for a sequel <laughs> enough to make a big budget sci-fi everything everywhere all at once rival but as always I am one of your hosts Thomas I'm Amber I'm Gio I'm Ali and this is So What Happens Next Small Screens we will see you guys next week